Good day, all. Welcome to a new episode of Learning Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to teach you Bible truth, help you grow in faith, and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Now, I want you to remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on, get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Hi, everyone. Praise God for another day and another opportunity to share his living word. I want to thank the new listeners for tuning in. And of course, the faithful listeners of Learning Bible Truth. Thank you and welcome. We have reached the final episode of this seven part series. This this episode is entitled A Look Into Eternity in Paradise with Jesus. Now, The entire series is entitled The Pure Uncut Truth About the Gospel of Jesus the Christ. We have reached episode number seven, which is the final episode. Now, for those of you who don't know, it initially started out as a nine part series. I went over some notes. I eliminated some notes and narrowed it down to eight parts. And then I went over more notes and narrowed it down to seven parts. And this is it. And for those of you who haven't heard the six previous episode, please go to one of my podcasts and, and, and listen to those six episodes so that you can know how we ended up here with episode number seven. Now, with that said, I want to lay some ground rules for those of you who don't know, I typically teach using the new King James version, but today I will be teaching from the traditional King James version. Now, Don't expect a long message. This will be a short message. (laughs) Yes, it will, but it'll be powerful, a pleasant message. And for those of you who uh, are not aware, who are tuning in for the first time, I will read the scripture. You have the option to pause the tape. And for the sake of time, I will continue reading the scripture. And when you find a scripture, you can resume listening. So with that said, let's go to our first scripture. It's not a foundational scripture, but it is our lead scripture. Okay. Revelation chapter 21, verse 22. And I am reading and I saw no temple therein for the Lord God almighty and the lamb are the temple of it. Now, have you ever been in church and heard the preacher say, when I get to heaven, I sure, I'd sure like to meet and you can fill in the blank. Now, King David is often used as the name that has filled the blank because he was a man after God's own heart. Is that what heaven has become to American Christianity and its ministers in general? Has heaven become nothing more than a place where you can get to know redeemed men better? At funerals or memorial services, the minister will talk about the deceased being in a better place. Yet, these ministers also mention that Uncle Tom and and Uncle Kevin and Aunt Kathy and Grandma Lewis um, or whoever else it is that died as being with the angels in heaven and looking down upon us waiting for us to get there to be with him or her. 
Now, I guess it can't be too much better if the departed have to look at, <laughs> at this planet and look upon the faces of fallen human beings. Now, today, many Americans claim to believe in God. Many of those specifically claim to be Christians. Many of those claiming to be Christians profess the name of Jesus Christ and believe him to be Lord and Savior. And of them, some may even suggest that they read the Bible quite often, if not daily. Nevertheless, the majority of people that I've run into in my half century upon the planet and nearly 30 years as a Christian and 20 years as a minister of the gospel believe heaven to be a better place. Now, although it certainly is a better place, most people, even professing Christians, don't have a heavenly perspective or a biblical view of eternity because although they may read some of the Bible, they don't care to be bothered with the entire Bible, the full gospel of God. And why wouldn't it be so? Why? Why do Christians don't listen to the word of God when faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? That explains why we have a lot of Christians lacking in faith. Now, there are particular or, or popular pastors and best-selling Christian authors telling us that we don't have to read parts of the Bible. Oh, yes. Like the book of Revelation, for instance. God gave us and preserved for us all 66 books of the, of the Bible. Do we neglect portions of scripture for the incredibly sinful reason that it isn't necessary for us to read because we can't understand it? Well, if you invite the Holy Spirit into your heart, he is the one that reveals the truth to you. You will understand it if you have the Holy Spirit in you. Now that, my friends, is the epitome of stupidity and the sin of, of unfaithfulness if you don't invite the Holy Spirit in so that he can lead you into these scriptures when you are listening to someone like me teaching you. Okay. I think it blasphemes the character of God to suggest that he didn't know what he was doing when he gave us every jot and tittle of, of his holy scriptures. Now, as our minds are renewed by the reading of the whole word of God, we read his word because it's not just history but his story that is about him. The Bible is about God that the heavenliness of the matter of the fact of the doctrine, the majesty of the style, the consent of all the parts, the scope of the whole, which is to give all glory to God, the full discovery it makes of the only way of man's salvation, which is through Christ and many other in incomparable excellences and entire perfections are arguments whereby it do it abundantly evidence itself to the word of God. Yet notwithstanding our full per persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. Now, as the Holy Spirit bears witness to the word by the, by the word, because we have access to the beauty of the word by the blood of Jesus, 
by his work upon the cross. The spirit reveals the majesty, the facts, the heavenliness, the incomparable excellencies, and the entire perfections of the cross of Jesus Christ in the word. Then the glories of the person of Christ are revealed to us because of the cross. And when this happens, the things of earth grow dim and the majesty and the eternal excellencies of heaven become more clear. We grow in grace and get glimpses of eternity in paradise with Jesus. When the beloved disciple John, who wrote the book of Revelation, was banished to the Isle of Patmos by Caesar, he saw a great many things pertaining to the day of the Lord. One of the events John saw was the passing away of the first heaven and earth and the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. I want you to read Revelation 21 verses 1 through 2. John was carried away in the spirit to get a broad view of this incredible sight. Describing a magnificent city with all kinds of precious gemstones as foundations. Walls of pure jasper gates of pearl and streets made of gold so pure that it was transparent. Read Revelation 21 verses 9 through 22. I want y'all to study this so y'all can see it like I see it. Now sadly, too often when heaven is mentioned or when, when this passage is read, the focus of our attention is on the precious gems, the pure gold, and the glory of this brilliant city. That's not what heaven is all about, saints. When we now, but look, when we are glorified with our new bodies, our glorified bodies, we will have an appreciation for all those things. You see, although we are not yet glorified as a sinner saved by precious by the precious blood of the of the Lamb, I've not only tasted the things of God. I've drunk deep of the awesome grace of God at the cross. Only Jesus fulfills. Only Jesus satisfies. Now the prophet Jeremiah in verse 30, uh, in chapter 31, verse 14 wrote this. And I will satiate the soul of the priest with fatness and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, said the Lord. Now, Psalm 17 and 15 says this, as for me, I will hold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Additionally, I am not suggesting that we won't have an interest or appreciation in the city as it is. Yet gates of pearl, streets of gold and foundations of precious gems will not be the object of our attention. Our attention and interest will be in what these things represent and to whom these things point to. Every beam, every brick, every stone represents the work of God in the truth of Christ crucified, resurrected and ascended. Now, they all point to the person and the work of Jesus Christ, the son of God. Let me just show you one quick example. Now, when John saw the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, he heard God's voice, a voice declaring an awesome truth. Revelation 21, three, I am reading. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them 
and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now the words tabernacle and dwell in the verse that I just read come from the same Greek root skein, S-K-E-E-N. Tabernacle is translated from the Greek word skene, which is S-K-E-E-N-E-E. -E. He will dwell is translated from the Greek word skenusin. That is S-K-E-E-N-O-O-S-I-E. -E -E. Now the Greek word skenusi is the third person. Future tense, equivalent of the third person, past tense, Greek word for dwelt. Okay. Now, the reason I share a lot of Greek words with you is because this stuff was written in Greek and in Hebrew. And if you don't have the Greek word definition, you won't have a full understanding of what God is trying to communicate to you. Okay. Now, I said the, um, the Greek word skenuse is the third person it is it is future tense equivalent of the third person and past tense greek word for dwelt okay now um eskenusin means dwell skenu is found five times in the bible only used by john and found for the first time in his gospels here in john 1 14 and i am reading and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Now, as I mentioned previously, this Greek word is very closely related to Aramaic, the Aramaic word shikan, which is S-H-E-K-A-N. Now, I'm not going to spell moving forward because I'm tired of spelling these words. I'm just going to try to pronounce them because you all know Greek words and Hebrew words are challenging in English. Okay, they are very challenging, but I can promise you I know the definitions. Now, shikan and the Hebrew word shekan, they are spelled differently. Now, in, uh, for this reason, I'm going to spell shekan because shekan is... S-H-E-K-A-N is spelled with an E. And the Hebrew word Shekhan is spelled with an A, S-H-A-K-A-N, which means dwell or inhabit. Additionally, one of the Hebrew words used as a name for the tab tabernacle that God had, had Moses build is Mishkan, which means tent or habitation or place to dwell. Now in Exodus 25 verses eight and nine, Moses says this, and let them, this is God talking to Moses and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Now, why is this significant? Everything about the tabernacle of Moses speaks of Christ and points to the redemption in particular. Now here's just an example of how it does. In Exodus uh, 26, God gave Moses instructions on how to make the curtains that cover the tabernacle in the wilderness. The first covering was made of fine linen and blue purple and scarlet. Cherubim were embroidered in the fabric with gold and curtains were attached with gold loops and tatches 
which is in Exodus 26 verses one through six. Write that down so you can read it. Don't just take my word for it. Now this curtain could be seen from within the sanctuary. The blue, purple, and scarlet colors represent royalty in the scriptures as gold has the scriptural scriptural symbolism of deity. This is a prophetic picture of heaven. Oh, it is a prophetic picture of paradise with Jesus. Okay. I don't want to get too excited to where I just pass out up in here and y'all are not here to help me up, but I get excited over the word of God. Now the second curtain Moses was instructed to have made for the tabernacle covered the first curtain and was to be made of goat's hair. And the curtains were attached with brass loops and tatches. Read Exodus 26, 7, 13. Now, just before God drove Adam and Eve from the garden of Eden, he made for them coats of skin. You can read Genesis 3, 21. And brass is typically depicted in scripture as symbolic of judgment. This is a prophetic picture of fallen man. Oh, yes. Now, the third curtain curtain that Moses was instructed to make for the tabernacle covered the second curtain and was made of ram skin dyed red. Read Exodus 26, 14. Now, interestingly, there are no dimensions recorded for this curtain as there were as there were for the for the first two. Now, as Jesus Christ is the sacrificial ram or lamb whose horns were caught in the thicket of Mount Moriah, read Genesis 22, 13, the ram skin dyed red are a prophetic picture of the atoning blood sacrifice of Jesus of Nazareth, the Lord's Christ. Now, the fourth and final curtain that God commanded Moses to place over the tabernacle was not given any dimensions in the scriptural command. It was to entirely cover the first three curtains and was made of badgers. It made of badger skins, according to the King James translations, hides of sea cows by the translations of the New International Version of the Bible and purpoise skins by the translators of the New American Standard Bible. Now, the reason for the disparity between translations is because the Hebrew word, and I want y'all to listen to this, the Hebrew word tadshashim is used in the scripture and it is not known what that word is today. That's why. Read Exodus 26, 14. Now, although Moses and Ahalibab and Belzaliah and the children of Israel knew what the animal was at the time, and I want you to read Exodus 25, verses 1 through 5, and 31, verses 1 through 6, the animal is certainly unknown today. And I believe that was God's design. I believe that was his will for us not to know what that animal is today. You see, this final curtain is a prophetic picture of the future restoration of all things and the fullness of its glory would be beyond description. Both the ram skin and the tashishim skins would be as a covering over the other curtains. This word covering is translated from the Hebrew word mikshi. Mikshe, now which was used of the covering that Noah removed from the ark after the flood. Go to Genesis 8:13. I want to read this one to you. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, 
the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and behold, the face of the ground was dry. Now, mixia or mixi comes from the Hebrew word kasa, which means to overwhelm. Now in the Psalms, uh, David writes of the hatred of his enemies and the oppression of the wicked being being so severely upon him that the horror brought upon him by their evil had caused him to tremble in such fear that he had almost a thought of nothing else. Kasa is used here to describe such overwhelming fear. Now Psalms 55 5 says this fearful fearfulness and trembling are come upon me and horror had overwhelmed me. Now I suggest that the glories of the new heaven and earth will be so magnificent to behold as we inhabit the new Jerusalem in glorified bodies that we will be overwhelmed with thoughts of Christ and his redemption. That a thought or emotion apart from him and the cross will be literally unthinkable as it was prophesied in Genesis after the flood, as Noah removes the covering from the ark, as it was prophesied in the last two coverings of the tabernacle. And as it was prophesied by David in the Psalms, glory will be overwhelming. Why? Revelation 21 and 4 says this, the former things are passed away. Now in that day, the um, omnipresent Christ was so overwhelmed our glorified souls that every glimpse of the glory in the new earth, the new heaven, and in the new Jerusalem, in everything and everyone we see, touch, smell, and taste will not just remind us of the lamb and his redemption, nor will it merely be a testament of who he is and what he has done. It will be a flood of exceeding joy, unsurpassed peace and love because the real abiding and indwelling Lord Jesus Christ shouts to us in every fiber of our glorified beings, the truth of his ever present reality. That's the true meaning of the scripture. Psalm 16 and 11 tells us this in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Now, furthermore, we can know glimpses of the reality of that truth before we get to heaven, because in the cross, he makes all these things new. The absent present Christ is not merely prayed to, but also dwells in our prayers. Matthew 10, 20 and Romans 8, 26, I want y'all to read. The Lord Jesus is not merely worshiped as we gather but he also inhabits our praises. Psalms 22, three, Jesus Christ is not merely the word we read about. He is the living embodiment of the word and is, and, and his presence with us and in us because reading the, of the word truly fills us with his word as the word becomes part of us and we become a part of the word. Now, this is what really bothers me about skits, plays, and dramas within the local co congregation. In the dark ages, plays, icons, and the lighting of votive candles were used to placate the masses because the word of God was not available to everyone. 
for those of you who don't know. The scriptures were handwritten at that time, so only the, the very wealthy could afford it. Isn't that pitiful? Old corruption was going on way back in the biblical days as well. Now, why have we relapsed in, into such a sinister time? We have lost the glimpse of heaven because we have removed the word from its place of importance and replaced it with visual stimulations and skits and plays and dramas and, and cinematic entertainment. Now, there is certainly nothing wrong with those things in, in and of themselves. Nevertheless, if we should find that these things have caused us to remove the word of God from its supreme and authoritative place from our private and public worship, we should rethink our priorities so that Christ may be exalted in our hearts through the word. Christ may be glorified in our thoughts by the cleansing found in the word and that Christ's everlasting gospel may be honored and proclaimed by the word. As in the days of Jeremiah, God is calling us back to stand in, in his ways and to see as he sees. He desires that we ask for, for the old paths. Now, where is the good way and walk therein? Walk in the good way, Jeremiah 6.16 tells us, because it is the old gospel paths found in the word of God, the way of the cross, the way of the cross of Jesus Christ that allows us to take the Lord's yoke upon us to learn of him and we shall find rest for our souls. I want you to read Matthew 11, 28, 16 and 24. Now, I want you to understand that when we get to heaven, when our earthly lives end here, there will be no more crying. We will be given, given brand new bodies. Oh yes, our bodies will then be glorified just like Jesus' body was glorified when he rose from the dead. We won't have anything else to cry about. There will be no more sorrows. We won't be able to have tears because tears won't exist anymore. There will be peace. There will be love. There won't be, be any hating. There won't be any lying. There won't be any killing. There won't be any, any, just nothing bad at all. Now, see, I was almost getting choked up there. There will be nothing bad at all anymore when we get to heaven. So guys, for those of you who haven't listened to uh, the first six of this series, I want you to go to my podcast so you can hear part one, the simple gospel, part two, propitiation through faith, part three, the sign of Jonah, how Jesus addressed the, the tradition. Part four is how Jesus addressed the traditions of man versus the commandments of God. Part five, what it means to be born again, because if you are not born again, you will never get to heaven. Jesus said before a man can even see or come to know or understand God or either enter into the kingdom, they must be born again. And part six, being complete in Christ. And part seven is what you just listened to, a look into eternity and paradise in paradise with Jesus. So I hope you enjoyed this message. Next Saturday will be a completely new episode with a completely new title. Seven signs that Jesus Christ is returning. 
So until next time, I want you to stand by for an invitation to accept Christ and my closing remarks. To everyone who hears this message, including those who profess to having accepted Christ, but don't possess his spirit, and to the non-believers who are chasing religion looking for God, tomorrow is not promised to you. Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. There is no other way to get to God outside of Christ. There is no back door. I want you to read John chapter 14 verses 1 through 6. All you have to do to secure your salvation in Christ is to say this simple prayer one time and mean it. Father God, I am a sinner in need of salvation. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And because I confessed and believe this in my heart, God, your word says I'm saved. Amen. If you said this simple prayer, my friends, you have just been saved by grace. Yes, it's just that simple. If you were sincere, you should feel a change in your heart right now. You now have free access to God. You are a saint, a believer, and most importantly, a child of the Most High God. I encourage you to join a faith-based teaching church. Continue to listen to Learning Bible Truth so you can grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Renew your mind with the Word of God so you can establish a relationship with Him. God wants you to enjoy life, laugh, love, forgive, and treat everyone you encounter with compassion dignity, and respect. Now stand by for my closing remarks. I pray that you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, please send your comments or questions to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially because you feel we have been a blessing to you, go to one of my five podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, or Radio Public, and contribute an amount of your choice. Now, until next time, remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.